from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of Beth David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for their baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And now will you stand with me? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, because today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. i 
just with our voices we sing Jesus Emmanuel oh come let us adore
Well, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Abundant Life Church. How are you all doing today, huh? It's good to see you here. I am so excited that you have chosen to be with us for our 3.30 Christmas Eve service. Would you help me welcome people who are watching online? Help just, would you give them a round of applause? Yes. I am so glad you're here. I'm excited about Christmas. I hope you are too. You know, it seems like this is the time of year where we go to great extremes to just really magnify this season of the year and for great reason because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And we do so many things. We, we decorate everything, don't we? We decorate our yards. We decorate our trees. We hang lights on trees. We hang lights on our house. We, we even decorate our pets. Anybody here decorate your pet? Yeah, some of you do. Uh, we, we, we send cards to people that we haven't seen all year, that we haven't even spoken to in the past year. And we go out to eat. We go to more dinners and parties and stuff like that than we ever go to. I've heard that uh, between um, November and December, the average person is going to have gained 5 to 10 pounds. How many of you have gotten a good running start at that already? Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. And, and of course, there's, there's all this songs of Christmas. Don't you love the songs of Christmas? Oh, I do. I love the songs of Christmas. In fact, we are going to play a little game named that Christmas tune. And I'm going to throw candy out to you people, and I hopefully won't hurt anybody. Uh, forgive me in advance if I do. Okay, here we go. Name that tune, A Dozen 24-Hour Yule Periods. Yes, yes. Where did that come from? Raise your hand. We're way over there. There you go. Okay. I know I hit somebody. Okay, good. Adorn the atrium. Yeah, deck the halls. Where did it come from? Right here. Come on. All right, all right, all right. Share it with the people around you. Don't be stingy. Don't be a Scrooge. Fantasy of a colorless December 25th. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Where did that come from? Where? Over there. <laughs> Okay, thank you just for helping me out, sir. Right there. All right, all right. Good, good, good. And yonder in the haystack. What? <laughs> yonder in the haystack. Oh, over there. Okay, good, 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 good. And one more, one more. Assemble everyone who believes. Yes, oh, come all you faithful. Alex, my man. Oh, wait a minute. No, was it you? Was it you? And... And this kid right here, you, I know you got one, and you got one, and you got one, and okay, Candace, that's enough, that's enough candy. People are going to be a hyper, they're going to be all over the place. Just think about it. For the last 30 days, we have been bombarded with the songs of Christmas, haven't we? I mean, everywhere you go, you hear the songs of Christmas. Any radio station that you turn on, you go to any restaurant, even at the health club, how many of you have been exercising to the songs of Christmas? And so you hear them everywhere. But stop and think about it. What happens just 24 hours after Christmas? Well, the trees come down, the decorations get stored, relatives return home, diets begin, and probably most noticeably of all, the music stops. It just stops. Is there a way that we can keep the songs of Christmas alive in our heart 
all season long? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes because we find in the Bible the songs of Christmas that were in the hearts of the first Christmas characters. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about Jingle Bells or Frosty the Snowman, and I'm not talking about even Silent Night or, or what's another one? <laughs> oh, Way in a Manger. All the Christmas songs, I'm not talking about those as great as they are, as magical as they are. What I'm talking about are the songs that were in the hearts of those first Christmas characters. For example, there's the angel song. The angel song that, and, and Mary's song and Simeon's song. Mary's song, for example, who was she? Mary was just a young teenage peasant girl. And of all the women in the world, stop and think about it, of all the women in the world, God chose to bring his son into the world through this lady. Why her? And, and her song is an amazing song. I love her song. It's found in Luke chapter 1. And there's one phrase that I want to bring to your attention. It simply says this, he has been mindful of me. Read her song and she says, he's been mindful of me. I looked at that a little bit farther and another translation says this, he noticed me. He noticed me. Don't you like that phrase? Don't you like to be noticed? If you're ever walking down the street and, and somebody sees you and maybe they haven't seen you for a long time and they say, hey, it's good to see you. Where have you been? And it feels good to be noticed, doesn't it? I think back to over 40 years ago, I am so grateful, I'm eternally grateful that my wife-to-be, Anne, noticed me when I was about 18 years old. She noticed me, and make no mistake about it, I noticed her too. And the rest is history. But it's interesting that God notices us, and not only does he notice you, but he knows you. And what I find from this song and from this, 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 these words of Mary is that, that God is a God who knows me personally. Do you realize that there are over 7 billion people on the face of this earth? And God knows every one of them by name. He knows your name. He knows you personally. He knows you intimately. Don't believe it? Listen to Psalm 139. Listen to how the psalmist describes God's knowledge of him. And it's the same for you and me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I even start the first sentence. You shaped me inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Make no mistake about it, God knows you personally. He knows your victories, he knows your successes, he knows your joys. He knows your defeats, he knows your struggles, he knows your hang-ups. He knows everything about you. But from this song and, and from what we learn about God in the Bible, not only does he know you personally, but he also loves you unconditionally. 
Now stop and think about it. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing that God loves you unconditionally because sometimes once we get to know people, we don't really like them anymore, do we? You know what I'm talking about? Can, can you thinking of that person right now that, that you, you know somebody and once you got to know them just a little bit better, it's like, I don't think I like you. How many of you are sitting next to that person right now? <laughs> and it's so hopefully not, hopefully not. But it's not that way with God. You see, God knows everything about you, and guess what? He still loves you, and he still likes you unconditionally. You know, the Bible talks to us about that kind of love in what is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. It's, it's, uh, I think it's one of the greatest Christmas verses, although most people would never see it as a Christmas verse. In fact, most of you, if not all of you here, know the verse, John 3, 16. Why don't you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, that's the degree to which God loves you. See, God not only knows you personally, but he loves you unconditionally. I love what Max Lucado said. He said, if God had a wallet, he would have your picture in it. Isn't that a great picture? And not only that, but God forgives me completely. You see, he knows me personally. He loves me unconditionally, but he forgives me completely. Here's another line from Mary's song. His mercy extends to those who fear him. You see, the reason Jesus came to this earth was to pay the price for our sin so that you and I, when we die, could spend eternity with our heavenly Father. That's why Jesus came. When you look at the Christmas story and, and you see the story where the angel appeared to Joseph and was trying to explain to him about Mary being pregnant, and he was afraid. He didn't know what to think of the whole thing. Listen to the words of the angel. He says, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. You see, it's our wrongdoing that keeps us separated from God. It's our sin that keeps us separated from God and ultimately keeps us out of heaven. And that's why Jesus came, so that we could have eternal life. We all know John 3.16, but what about John 3.17? Does anybody know that verse? And this is what it says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come to condemn you, yet he came to save you? He knew we needed a savior. One of my favorite Christmas cards, I love it every year. I refer to it because I love it so much. It goes like this. If our greatest need had been information, then God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us Jesus. My greatest need is forgiveness. It's your greatest need too. Mary's song. Can you hear it? It's the song of a heavenly father who knows you personally, yet loves you unconditionally and forgives you completely.
Another song of Christmas that we can carry 
in our hearts all season long, all year long, is Simeon's song. But before I get to that, let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you were a kid, you had a hard time waiting for Christmas to arrive? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you, uh, you kids today, you just have a hard time waiting for Christmas to get here? I mean, what I mean by that is you just couldn't wait to open the presents under the tree, right? And so, you would, you know, you'd sneak down there early or the night before you'd get up and you'd go and you'd shake them and you would maybe listen to them, you'd feel them, you'd maybe even start to open them to peek in them. You know what I'm talking about? Because you're anticipating What's in this? What's in this gift? I remember when, when I was just a little kid, my sister Pat and I, every Christmas Eve, we would leave milk and cookies for Santa, and we'd write a note and say there are goodies in the, in the refrigerator, and then we'd kind of list out what we wanted. And we did that up until we were about 17 years old or so. <laughs> and, um, and, and so how many of you still write notes to Santa? Can you leave it for Christmas Eve? Write little letters. Here's some letters that, that some kids have written to Santa Claus. Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you're really hungry, you can use our phone and you can order pizza to go. <laughs> Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. Okay, that's some of you. And then I love this one from this little four-year-old kid. Dear Santa... I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. Okay, so you, you can identify with that. Well, another one of the Christmas songs is Simeon's song. And he's a lesser known character in the Christmas story. But his song is our song too because it's a song of anticipation. It's a song of anticipation. The Bible says that Simeon was a righteous man. And it doesn't really say a whole lot more about him other than he was a righteous man. And the one thing that he longed for, the one thing he wanted before he died was to see the Christ child, this long-awaited Messiah. That's, that's all he wanted. And so in his, in his song and in his story that actually precedes his song that describes his heart, this is what it says. Simeon was a man who lived in prayerful expectancy. Think about that. Prayerful expectancy. Of what? What was he living in prayerful expectancy of? Well, he was living in the prayerful expectancy of the coming of Jesus, the coming of this Messiah that was prophesied for years to come and to see and to save the people. And that's all he wanted. And so one day, Simeon goes to the temple, and it just so happens that on that same day, Mary and Joseph were also there, and they had Jesus. He was probably about six weeks old at this time, and they had taken him there to circumcise him, as was the custom, and he saw Jesus. And so the thing he wanted, the thing he really longed for more than anything else to see Jesus came true, and God granted him that request, granted him that desire. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever experienced a Christmas when you didn't get what you wanted? It's kind of a bummer, right? When, when there's something you want and, and you open it up and it's like a pair of socks or more underwear, or, and it's not exactly what you had in mind. And I think sometimes, you know, Christmas can be a bummer because we have misplaced expectations. 
And so we lose the purpose. We lose the focus of what Christmas is all about. And we think we need this when really this is what we need. And what I'm saying to you is from Simeon's song, what we learn is that there's no widget, there's no gadget, there's no electronic device that's going to fulfill you, that's going to satisfy your deepest need. And the reason is because all this stuff wears out, doesn't it? We know that. I mean, the day we get it, it starts dying. We have to change it. We, have to, we put it on Craigslist. We, we take it back, and, and we can't use it. But Jesus never runs out. Jesus doesn't have to be taken back and exchanged. And so in the words of Jesus, the, the reason he came was this in John 10, 10. I've come to give you life more abundantly. Another version says life to the full. You see, you can have all of the presents under the, under the tree there are, but you'll still be empty because the only presence that's going to fulfill you to, that will ultimately satisfy you is his presence in your life. Simeon's song, can you hear it? It's a song of expectation. It's a song of of anticipation. And my desire for you this Christmas season is that, yeah, enjoy the gifts, but keep your focus on Jesus because he is the only one who can help you be fully satisfied and fulfill this Christmas. A little bit of heaven. 
Well, there's one final song of Christmas that we can carry in our hearts all year long, and it's the song of the angels. There's one phrase that you and I hear this season of the year that we don't really hear throughout the rest of the year, and it's not Merry Christmas. That phrase is, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And that makes sense because we're celebrating the birth of the Prince of Peace. And so Jesus has already been born, and the shepherds were out in the field, and they were tending their sheep that evening, when all of a sudden this angel shows up, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, and here's the, here's the phrase, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace. Sounds good, doesn't it? How many of you could stand to have just a little bit more peace in your life? I think probably at at uh, maybe no other time than, than most of us here have experienced, we need peace in this season of our life more than any other. Maybe it's because of the highly charged political season in which we live. Maybe it's because every day we wake up, we turn on the radio just to see if there's been another terrorist attack or another bombing or another shooting. The reality is the world we live in is ravaged by war. And conflict is our constant companion today, isn't it? And it visits us in our communities. It visits us in our families. It even visits us in our closest of relationships. And so the real question, when we think about it, is it's not, will there ever be peace? I think most of us know the answer to that question because as long as there are human beings, there will be conflict. And so the real question isn't will there ever be peace. The real question is this, can I be at peace in the midst of conflict? <clears throat> can I be at peace in the midst of conflict? That's the real question. And the answer is yes. And the answer is yes because peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of, of conflict. Peace is having that confident assurance in the midst of conflict because the Prince of Peace reigns supreme in your heart. You see, 
Peace has nothing to do with what's going on around us. Peace has everything to do with who's living within you. And the reality is, this world will never ultimately be at peace until the Prince of Peace reigns supremely in the heart of every individual. I love the way Augustine put it when he simply said this, Our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Here's the irony of Christmas. Even though it's a season where we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, we are more stressed out at this time of year than any other time in the year. The hustle and the bustle, the shopping, the rushing for the last minute gifts, the expectations, the shortage of money, the endless parties, the painful memories, all of those things have a way of stealing our peace, don't they? And so there's probably no better time than for you and me to listen to the angel song and also the words of the psalmist when he said, be still and know that I am God. Would you say that with me? Be still and know that I am God. The angel song. Can you hear it? It's a song of peace. Maybe this year, more than ever before, we need to hear the words of the angel to the shepherds when he said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests.
from night to day A voice, a chime, a chance of life A peace on earth, good will the man And the bells are Well, the songs of Christmas, they're hope-filled songs, aren't they? And they're songs that you can carry in your heart all year long. And so my prayer for you this Christmas season is that when you take your tree down, when you store all of your decorations, when you put Christmas away, that you will keep the songs of Christmas alive in your heart all year long. And that you'll remember Mary's song. Remember Mary's song because it's a song of the love of a heavenly father who, who knows you personally. And yet he loves you unconditionally. And he forgives you completely. And remember Simeon's song because it's a song that reminds us to look for Jesus. Enjoy the gifts, but look for Jesus because that's where you're going to find your fulfillment. And don't forget the angel song because we so desperately need peace. But the only way you're going to find true peace is to invite the Prince of Peace into your heart. And when you do that, this Christmas will be different than any Christmas you've ever had before. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and if you'd close your eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity to reaffirm your commitment to Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace in your life. And for some of you, maybe you've never invited Jesus to be the Savior and the Lord of your life, and, and so therefore he's not the Prince of Peace in your life. And so I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer after me, to repeat this after me. And, and those of you who've made a decision to follow Jesus, please join in. For those of you making the decision for the first time, I invite you to pray audibly with me. Father in heaven, today I thank you for Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace, and I invite him into my heart. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to be my Savior.
and to be my Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.